Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. It's good to see everybody. Good to be back in the pulpit preaching again. Amen. I promise I'm still working. I promise I'm still working. Okay. Just because you don't see me up here doesn't mean I'm not working. What I wanted to do just for a few moments is I'd like you to go to Leviticus 16. For those who uh, are of Jewish heritage, ancestry, uh, the Miss Stacys or the Pastor Jordans in the house. Welcome, Pastor Jordan, Miss Stephanie Troutman. I'm glad y'all are here today. I love y'all. To the, uh, to the Jews in the house, obviously, well, none of us are really practicing Jews, but we have it in our bloodline. And I'm adopted because of Abraham and, and in faith. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm engrafted into the vine. Rosh Hashanah just has passed. And if you know anything about Yom Kippur, the, the day of atonement, if you will. Yom meaning the day of, Kippur meaning covering. Yom Kippur has just passed. And it, it's, a, it's a national day of fasting, a national day of prayer, a national day of repentance for the Jewish people. And this is why I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, because when I get specific with the Holy Spirit, when I ask Him, Holy, Holy Spirit, take this out of my attitude, take this out of my thinking, take this out of my life. You might have seen this video from uh, a couple months back. When you get very specific, Holy Spirit, take the crap out of my life. This is, you got that video that says, this is kind of what the Holy Spirit does, right? Yes, He gets, if you want to pray some specifics, the Holy Spirit will work with you. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful today to know that when I ask, Holy Spirit, I need this out of my life. He's willing to work according to what I ask for. Sometimes you just got to get a little bit specific about things. I need this out of my life. Now, maybe it isn't you, but do you have anybody maybe near you that you've been praying, Holy Spirit, get some of that crap out of their life? Before you elbow them or look at them cross-eyed, just somebody holler, amen. I've been praying for you. Get that stuff out of your life. On this national day of repentance, the day of atonement, it's all set forth here in Leviticus 16, and I want to read a little bit of this to you. Let's start in verse 20. <clears throat> when Aaron, this is the high priest, Moses' brother, when Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. So this makes sense. Two goats being presented. One whose blood is shed and he dies, and Aaron takes that blood through the veil and places it on top of the mercy seat. This verse is telling us what happens next. After he finishes making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward now the live goat, the second goat. And he will lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness, all the rebellion, all the sin of the Israelites, every one of their sins. And he will put all of them on the goat's head. And he shall send the goat away into the desert the King James says it like this, by the hand of a fit man. I want you to look at your neighbor next to you today because you're going to help me preach my subject title. Look at somebody and say, God is looking for a fit man. Do I got any single ladies looking for a fit man? Come on. Come on, somebody. That's why you got to stop throwing yourself at just any man. God has got a fit man. God is looking for a, a fit man. Let's go back to, uh, to verse 21 just for a moment. This goat, this second goat, this live goat, is led away into the desert by the hand of a, of a fit man. 
Any, any fitness buffs in the house today? Anybody still working out? There, there's my Michael back there. Go ahead, Michael. Make sure you flex nice and big. Got, got, those, uh, got those, those, uh, those fitness junkies in the house here today. That I was reading something about fitness. It's a $27 billion industry. $27 billion. But check this out. Every January, gym memberships obviously shoot up. But 80% of those people who join in January drop off by mid-February. 80%. Now check this out. Fitness centers are smart. They sell memberships on the expectation that only 18% of people are going to continue to use the membership after February. And I, this blew my mind. Only 1% of people actually last a full year. Any one percenters in the house? Just you, Michael, you one percenter? There you go. A uh, couple one percenters. Last a full year. Any honest people here? Uh, I signed up in 2019, January 2019, and I didn't even make it to February. Any honest people at all at the place? I didn't even sign up at all, Pastor. Heck no, I already knew. I already knew. Here's what it is. Ultimately, we love the idea of being fit, but we lack the discipline to ultimately do what it takes to stay fit. So verse 21 kind of lays it out like this. All the sins of the people are confessed and through the high priest's hands are laid on the head of this live goat. But the point I want to I get at is not so much the scapegoat that we've ministered about in years past, but this man, okay, this, this fit man, this man that is equipped and prepared to handle the task that is ahead of him. Here's why. Most importantly, it is the day of atonement. And atonement, the definition just means to appease or to forgive or to pardon, to purge or ultimately to cancel out. The day of cancellation, if you will. The day of purging, the day of pardoning, the day of forgiving, the day of atonement. And you've heard me share this before. Atonement, when you actually break it down, it means at one minute. Or sin separated us from God, but God desired us so much that he wanted to be at one with us again. And so he used this term called atonement through which to become one with us again. And in Leviticus 16, God sets up this system to take away the people's sins. So on the day of atonement each year, the high priest had three things he had to choose. The first thing was the Lord's goat. Earlier in Leviticus 16, basically what it tells us is this goat is used for the sacrifice of sins. Sin itself cannot be forgiven without the shedding of blood. And so the Lord's goat has to die as a sin offering, if you will, for the forgiveness of all the sins that were committed that year. So we have the Lord's goat. The second thing the high priest has to pick is the scapegoat. You've heard me minister much about the scapegoat. But in the days that are leading up to the Day of Atonement, each one of the families, it's said historically, each one of the families would come and the high priest would bring this goat along and, and they would confess their sins, all the things that they had done during the year. Can you imagine if we did that today? Sitting there listening to what mom and daddy actually did. Sitting there and listening to what your children were actually doing on their cell phones. Sitting and, and, and hearing the, the confession of sin of, of what family members had committed. I thought they were righteous. I, I thought they were holy. And, and to hear them confess these things and the high priest then taking those sins and, and transferring them and laying them on the head of this living goat. All of these confessions placed upon this goat. 
And the third thing the high priest had to find was a, a fit man. Because what this fit man would do is he would take this scapegoat and he would carry all of the people's sins deep into the wilderness. In fact, he would, he would take it so far away that the scapegoat, even through its instincts, could never find its way back. Y'all know where I'm going with this. Let me take this thing so far away that it cannot come back home. Because the greatest horror would be if somehow that scapegoat, with all of the sins that it was carrying upon itself, somehow made its way back into the village, somehow made its way back towards Jerusalem, somehow all of the sins and the blood that was shed for atonement, now we come under a curse again because that curse found its way back into my life. So we needed a fit man completely carry it away so we've got the one goat who shed his blood and dies for the forgiveness of sins we've got the other goat that has to live to provide for the separation from sin and every year listen to me every year the high priest had to go through this process again and again and again the same ritual again and again and again the same ceremony again and again and again the confession of their sins the sacrifice of the lord's goat the placing of his hands upon the scapegoat and a fit man to show up and ultimately take that goat into the wilderness again and again and again Year after year, decade after decade, era after era, generation after generation, a fit man had to take this goat away. Now, real quick, the definition of fit just simply means you're suited for the task. You're capable to survive the environment. You're, you're ready and you're willing to sacrifice if necessary. You are fit because you are morally, mentally, physically sound. Can I just for a moment, can I just get somebody to agree with you that America needs some fit men? Come on, some, some, some morally, mentally, physically sound. America needs some fit fathers. Can I get, can I get an amen in this place? Uh, America needs some fit leaders because I know we're not really finding them anywhere in Washington. We need some, some fit leaders. Can I say this as a preacher? America needs some fit Men of God and, and women of God who are holding this microphone and declaring his word. People who are suited for the task. People who are capable of surviving this harsh environment known as the United States of America. We need some fit mamas. We need some, some fit young people. We need some fit entrepreneurs. We need some fit leaders in this, even in this house. We need it. America needs some fit people. Capable, if you will. We're not looking for more famous people. We got plenty of those. We don't need more fabulous people. We sure got plenty of those. We need some fit men and women. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The kind, of, the kind of man that can walk into a hostile environment, but it doesn't change his character. The kind of woman that can, that can walk into the middle of temptation, but it doesn't change who she is. She's fit for the task. The kind of young person that sees everyone else acting up and living a certain way and talking a certain way, but you are fit for this environment because it can't change who you are. Do I have any people in the house who are fit for what God has placed them in? 
I hear them gossiping, but I'm fit not to fall in. I hear them backbiting, but I'm fit not to fall in. I see them falling into temptation, but I'm fit not to fall into it as well. I see them literally giving up on God, but I'm fit for this environment. Some fit men and women who understand if, if God needs to use somebody to walk out into the wilderness, your will be done. If, if, if God needs somebody that, that won't conform to the ways of this world, your will be done. If, if God is looking for somebody that will live the way that other people won't, here I am, Lord. Your will be done. I've got a fit men and women in the house today. If so, just say amen. Come on, let the enemy know who you are. I'm fit for this environment. I can handle this. See, when, when this is all said and done, the fit man had to be ready to take this scapegoat so far away that he himself could have gotten lost. He himself could have trouble finding his way back. But he knew this, I have got to get this goat so far away that it can never find its way back to my family, that it can never bring back the curse on my nation. I've got to get this thing so far away from the next generation. See, this is why I know God is looking for some fit men and women, because there's some crap in your family that God has called you to literally lead away and to keep it. Oh, I don't know about you, but I've seen enough generations, bloodline after bloodline, son after son, mother and daughter and, and grandchildren. I have seen too many people fall into the same trap time and time again. I've seen too many people allow the iniquity in their bloodline to bring them back to the very things God was wanting to set them free from. That's why God is looking for a fit man and a fit woman to say, that may have been when mama did, that may have been how grandpa lived, but not for me. That's for me and my house. We are fit to serve the Lord. So if I see that goat come anywhere near my family, you stay away. Get away from my children. Get away from their future. Stay away from my integrity. Stay away from my anointing. You've got no place. I will take it as far as I can. So it can never come back. Anybody just in agreement with me today that we're going to break every generational curse. And it will not touch those who come after us. It may look for its way back, but I took it so far away. It can't touch mine. It can't touch mine. It can't touch mine. Next time I see that goat come around my family, get away. Stay away. You've got no place. No place. Let's be honest. Let me do this for one. This is why I talk to my son about pornography. If they've got a phone, more than likely they're already watching it anyway. Not my baby. Think about what you were watching back before we had cell phones. Come on, somebody. When we had to go to the magazine. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. I got some honest people in the house. This is why I let him know. We cannot let this touch our family. We took this thing away. You don't bring this back into my house. 
Maybe it is a pornography for you. Maybe it is just a bad attitude. Maybe it is a religious spirit. Maybe it is alcohol. Maybe it is some kind of addiction. I don't know what it is for you, but have you made up your mind? I got to get that goat so far away that it can't find its way back to touch my kids and mess up their future. This fit man. Now, here's the tragedy and the truth of the old covenant. There was never a man fit enough to ultimately keep that goat away forever. They had to do this every year, all over again. Find a fit man again to take the scapegoat away. The tragedy of the old covenant is no one was fit enough to completely remove that sin forever. Hebrews 10.4 tells us this. It's impossible. Someone say impossible. Impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Impossible. Impossible for the blood of this, of this Lord's goat to take away the sins of the people. Impossible. But here's the good news today. The old covenant is just a shadow of better things to come. Year after year, the high priest had to find a fit man, if you will. Year after year, he had to find someone fit for the task to take the scapegoat out into the wilderness. Here's what happened, though. One day, 2,000 years ago, God the Father himself said, can I find a fit man? Is an angel worthy enough? Nope, I can't find an angel. Is, how about Abraham? Nope, Abraham's a liar. How about Moses? Nope, Moses is a murderer. How about David? No, that dude committed adultery. How about the law? No, the law is actually powerless to save. Can I find a fit man anywhere? And Romans chapter 8 verse 3 tells us the law, it was powerless to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. This is why the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is so powerful. Because what took two goats in the old covenant only took one lamb in the new. That's why John said, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The first goat had to shed its blood and die so it could be used for the forgiveness of our sin. The second goat was used for the separation of our sin. One goat lives, one goat dies. God requires the death of the sacrificer and the life of the liberator to ultimately remove sin. The death of the sacrificer and the life of the liberator. This is why his resurrection not just his death, but his resurrection is so powerful. Because Jesus is the goat. I mean it in every sense of the word. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is the goat. Tell somebody else near you, Jesus is the goat. 
He's both of them. He's the Lord's goat because he dies as the sacrificer so that sin could be forgiven. But he's also the scapegoat because three days after he died, he came back to life as the liberator from all the sin. And so here's what you need to know. You don't, you don't need to run around every Sunday asking Jesus to forgive you for sin. You need him as the resurrected liberator to ultimately set you free from the bondage of sin and death. Do I have any men and women in the house that don't just want forgiveness. They want freedom. They want to live in liberty. They want to know every addiction can be broken. All the shame can be broken. All the hurt can end. The torment I've been under, I can be free from. Those suicidal thoughts, I can have liberty from. He's not just my forgiver. He's my liberator. He whom the Son sets free. Free indeed. Free indeed. So Jesus is the goat. He is the greatest of all time. Him and Michael Jordan. <laughs> you youngins don't even know. Jesus is the goat. But here's what I want to tell you. He's not just the Lord's goat as a sacrificer. He's not just the scapegoat as the liberator. He's also the fit man. Woo. Only he and he alone is good enough, strong enough, righteous enough, holy enough, powerful enough to take my sin as I love how David said it. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed my transgression from me. You notice he didn't say the North Pole to the South Pole. Notice he didn't give us any line of measurement with which we could say, this is how far my sin is taken away. He gave us the immeasurable as far as the East is from the West. That's what the fit man did for my transgressions against the Almighty God. Somebody put your hands together and praise the God that's willing to take it so far away. I can't even measure this forgiveness and this removal of my sins. Here's what I know about Jesus. He alone was blameless. He alone was without sin. That's what made him fit to be the sacrifice for sin. Because he was without it. He never messed up once. He was tempted in every way. Tested, but he never conceded to sin. This is what made him fit to be our sacrifice for sin. This is what also made him fit ultimately to lay down his life and buy ours back as a ransom for many. This is, I want to say like this, Jesus was CrossFit. He was, thank you. He was CrossFit. CrossFit enough to forgive my sin. CrossFit enough to remove my sin. CrossFit enough to carry my sin. CrossFit enough to condemn sin and death. CrossFit enough to make sure that I didn't have to, I don't have to ever live under the penalty and the power of sin anymore. Only he is CrossFit to do these kind of things in and for my life. And only he was CrossFit enough that while he's dying to disarm the enemy so that you and I today can be CrossFit enough to have all the power. We need to trample on all the power of the enemy. 
Ultimately, I recognize I'm not fit enough. My willpower is not fit enough. My strength is not fit enough. My anointing, I'm not fit enough. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. Not for sin. For God, but not for sin. I could not remove this myself. It took a fit man. A fit man. God is still looking. God is still looking. God is still looking for some men and women to ultimately say, I'm not fit enough, but I know who is. I, I, I know who I can trust. I need to be born again. I need to let the fit man into my heart and life. What happens when the fit man comes in? The Bible tells us that we become a new creation. Old things get passed away. That old man literally dies off when the fit man is able to move in and take up residency in my heart, in my life. He is that fit man. And really the only way that anything changes in my life is when it starts on the inside. You can dress like me next Sunday, but nothing can be different if what's on the inside is still corrupted and tainted and evil and vile and selfish. It has to start on the inside. That's why I love this verse, because I believe God is calling forward some people who want to be CrossFit as well. They literally, they, 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 want to, they want to go through whatever it takes to follow after Jesus. I will deny myself, take up my cross, and follow after you, Lord. If that's what it takes to be fit, I will, I will do it, because you've already done everything for me. All I've got to do is just follow in your footsteps, follow your example, follow your word, follow your spirit. I will be fit enough to do what I'm supposed to for the kingdom of God because Jesus was the fit man that took care of everything for me. So here's what I want to tell you because I got to close this bad boy up. 2 Timothy 2 21 lets me know this. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified. Here it is. Fit for the master's use and prepared for every good work. Are you ready to be crossfit for your king? Are you ready to do what he's called you to do? Are you ready to be that vessel of honor? Are you ready to be that vessel of integrity? Not just saved because I said a prayer, sanctified by the spirit of God and following after Jesus every step of the way. Are there any men and women in this house today ready to be fit for the master's use? Ready to be fit for his purposes. If you're in this place today, put your hands together and shout amen. Let it be so. Let it be so. On your feet with me. All over this room. On your feet with me. All over this room. On your feet with me. When the fit man moves into my heart, someone say, move in, Lord Jesus. Someone say, move in, Lord Jesus. Come on, say, move in, Lord Jesus. My God. When the fit man moves into my heart, tell what begins to happen. All of a sudden, wrong becomes wrong. It's so clear. All of a sudden, right is easy. He helps me make the right choice. He helps me, ultimately, to side with righteousness. He does. When the fit man is here, here. 
I don't know how you felt this morning when you got up and came to church. When I walk out here, I don't always know what the atmosphere is. I don't know if you feel like praising. I don't know if you feel like responding. I don't know if you feel like doing anything more than your weekly routine again and again and again. This is what I do. I come to church on Sundays again and again and again. If we're not careful, even the most fit of us, if you will, get stuck in a routine. And then we wonder, why aren't my muscles developing anymore? <laughs> why, why, why is nothing growing and stretching in my life anymore? How, how come I'm not getting better? What, what's happening here? Why am I hitting the ceiling? God, God must have given up on me. God, God must have quit on me. God, God must have left me. Anyone ever been there and said those things? I understand in being CrossFit, and what I understand about CrossFit training is you've got to mix it up. You've got to mix it up. You can't just pray the same way at the same time for the same amount of time. You, you, you can't just come and just serve in the same role. You, you, you can't just come and act the same way. Something about actual physical CrossFit training means I have to mix up the routine to almost shock my muscles into doing something more, into being stronger, better. Okay, The shock to me is when you know he was your scapegoat. When you know he was your sacrifice for sins. When you know he was the fit man that took everything away and you come in here and you fall into a routine and forget what he did. Because you're just here to do it. I do. It's shocking to me to watch people whose lives have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Almost abandon that transformation for a routine. Can I just be honest? Anybody got a problem with this right now? Anybody got a problem with this? It's okay. You can nod your head at me if you do. It's all good. I remember reading one time about an atheist who came to church. He attended with a pastor. And they went from church to church to church. This is, this is not a joke. This is not a story. This is the truth. They went from church to church to church. And together they were traveling. What they were trying to discover was how they were treated in different environments. The pastor's biggest problem with the church was when he walked in he wasn't greeted he, he, he wasn't he wasn't made to feel welcome like he, like he mattered his problem with the church was how churches run but the atheist problem was simply this if they really believed that a man died for their sins rose from the dead is seated in heaven and is preparing a place for them in eternity, how can they sit there so bored out of their mind every week if he really did die and rise again? He wasn't shocked by church doctrine. He wasn't church shocked by how we treated each other in the house. He wasn't shocked by who served or who didn't or who greeted him or who didn't. He was shocked that people would claim Jesus died and rose again and then sit there like it didn't matter at all. And now you know sometimes I get a little irritated with you. When you know the truth, when you are a byproduct, if you will, of the grace and love of God, and you treat him like he's routine and ritual, and I have to complete my duties for the day, but I need to hurry up and get home so I can watch the bears. Do I have anybody that recognizes he is the Lord's goat? 
the sacrificer for your sin. You are grateful. Do I have anybody that recognizes he's the scapegoat and all of my sins were placed upon his head and literally he was, he was removed from my life? Do I have anybody that recognizes that he's the fit man, the only one who was strong enough, the only one who was good enough, the only one fit enough to completely remove it from my life so it doesn't touch my future generations? When you recognize who he is, you don't sit there and, and, and just go through the routine. You continue to rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice for what God has done in your life somebody help me make an atheist shut his mouth and recognize my God is good my God is powerful my God's amazing my God is gracious and I will praise him at all times literally it will be on my lips because if not not I'm nothing more than an outdated, dead religious system that is no longer effective. The blood of goats, I don't care if, they, if the temple was built tomorrow and they started killing goats again once a year. It is ineffective now because of the blood of the Lamb. To right now all over this room, can you just lift your hands to heaven? And some of you right now, I get it, you need to confess some things. Go ahead and place it on your scapegoat. Confess your sin. Confess your struggle. Confess where you've fallen. Confess where you've messed up. Confess where you've missed the mark. Come on, somebody, confess where you became religious. Confess where you fell into a routine. Confess where you allowed yourself to literally pull back from God, but you still came to church, but you were so far from the presence of God. Confess where you have held things in your heart against others. Confess it right now. Put it on your scapegoat. Put it on him. Put it on Jesus. Because he's also that fit man. He can take this thing so far away. He can remove this from your life completely once and for all. I don't just want to get saved. I want some separation in my life. I don't just want to be forgiven. I want it to be removed so I can live in victory every day. I'm tired of the condemnation. I'm tired of the guilt. I'm tired of falling back into that same sin again and again. I need a fit man to take this away once and for all. This is why we praise Him and worship Him right now in this place. Because He alone can carry my transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just for 10 more seconds, just every voice opened up and loud to God say, Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Today is my day of atonement. Today I can be at right with God at this moment, right now, at one with God the Father again. Right now. Right now, right now, right now, right now. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to, to do something that some of you might believe is ritual and routine, but I love what it means. We call it Holy Communion. If you're raised Catholic, you did this once a week, sometimes more. If there was a wedding or a quinceanera or a Something else going on. Hey, you are used to this, but let me be truthful. We don't even do this enough here at Impact Church. Because the beauty of the blood and the body means that I have a seat at the Lord's table. I have a seat at the Father's table. 
He wants to commune with me. What's so powerful about what that high priest did with the Lord's goat, the one we didn't even talk about, is he would kill it and they would bleed it out and he would take that blood and only he could do this once a year and he would carry it into the holy place where the unleavened bread was, where the, where the, the candelabra was and, and he would take it to that veil that separated the holy place from the most holy of holies. And here's what happened. Here's what happened. The high priest alone, once a year. Everyone say once a year. I know communion is being passed. Everyone say once a year. The high priest would take that blood of that goat, the Lord's goat, and he would go past the veil, and he would place it on top of the mercy seat, the blood on top of the mercy seat. Now, if you know the Ark of the Covenant, if you know the contents of the Ark of the Covenant, on the inside of the Ark was something called the Ten Commandments. Guess what? Every one of us have broken them. Every one of us are guilty of breaking the Ten Commandments. But here's what was so powerful. He would take the blood of that animal and he would put it on top of the mercy seat, which was on top of the law, showing us that the blood was always going to be greater and the blood was always going to be enough to cover over everything I've ever done wrong, every commandment I've ever broken. That's the power of the blood. But he could only do that once a year only once a year and he was the only one qualified to do it only he could come into the presence of God once a year because of his qualification as a priest but this is what I love about Jesus because as he's hanging on that cross his blood is being shed his body was ripped open as he breathed his last breath the Bible tells us that that veil that separated all of us from the presence of God was torn from the top all the way to the bottom and now you and I can come boldly before the throne of grace now you and I can come with confidence before almighty God not just once a year through a qualified representative but because the fit man lives in me Jesus Christ his blood is upon me I can now come before God knowing I'm qualified because of Jesus this is the power and the beauty of communion this is not religious exercise this is is remembrance and recognition. I'm damned to an eternal hell if not for you. I can't remove my sin. But you did. I'm broken and I'm hurting and I'm angry. And I'm lost. But you allowed your body to be broken so mine could be healed. You allowed your will to be submitted to God so that I can have the mind of Christ. You allowed yourself to be subjected to ridicule, shame, being scorned, spit upon, rejected so that I could be accepted and loved and brought into the family of God. This is what communion really is. Me taking the time to remember what Jesus did so that I, I 
will never fall into the routine of, oh, it's time for a stay away for and some old grape juice. No. It's time for me to be thankful. It's time for me not to remember my sins, but remember the one who took them away. It's time not for me to remember what people have done to me, but remember what he did for me. This is what communion is. If you have that wafer representing the body of Jesus Christ, open that up. We're getting ready to receive this together. This is so awesome to know that all this works all this works on a credit system and I'm not good enough but he is and now according to his credit system when I stand before God God does not see my mistakes God does not see my indiscretions God does not see my transgressions God does not see my iniquity you know what he sees he looks down in that mercy seat. He can't even see the law anymore because the blood has covered over it. When he looks on me, he doesn't see every law that I've broken. He sees the shed blood for my sin that covers me as well. I get to stand before him on Christ's merits, on Christ's credit. I literally am one with Christ. And therefore, God looks at me and he sees his son. Are you thankful for that today? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, the scripture tells us that he, he took the bread and he broke it after giving thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. When you eat it, remember me. As an act of worship today, I just want you to think of all the times God has healed you physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, financially, how God has come into your broken situation and mended it back together. And when you are ready in worship, I want you to receive the body today. We thank you, Lord, and we receive all this with gratitude and remembrance of what Jesus has done. Amen. like manner after the bread he took the cup and he said this is my blood he called it this the blood of a new covenant the blood of a new covenant that is shed for you this is my blood I don't want you to just to sit here and thank God for the forgiveness of your sins. I want you to thank God for the removal of your sins. I don't want you to thank God that, hey, when I need a quick prayer, I can throw it up and God will throw some grace back at me. I want you to thank God that no matter how foolish I've been and, and how many times I've stumbled, that ultimately God doesn't just want to cover me with some, some perfume called grace. He wants me to live in a place where I am empowered over everything that one time kept me captive. This blood isn't just shed for the forgiveness of my sin. 
but the remission and the removal of my sin. This I want you to take a few extra moments on. And if there are some things in your life that need to be removed, not just forgiven, but removed, some mindsets, some attitudes, some ways of treating others, if you yourself are just lacking discipline in your life, let this be the day where you say, it's time to get fit. <laughs> it's time to get CrossFit. It's, it's time. It's time. It's time. I can't keep this routine going and expect the removal of this sin. That, that's the definition of insanity. Literally. I keep trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Ain't gonna happen. I need it to be removed. When we take this today, let's do so with grateful hearts, thankful hearts. When you are ready, when you are ready, thank you for your shed blood, Lord Jesus. I receive it now in your name. Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact.